And what, what I want you to do is uh, get ready. I want you to get up on your feet tonight. I want you to give a warm garden welcome to Pastor Bill Shear, Tulsa, Oklahoma, God's Church. You got control over her, don't you? Get her right back out here. Yeah. Hey, y'all. I saw something earlier, and uh, hey, give the Lord a hand, will you? And you know this. Uh, I've got backup here because they printed my notes uh, minuscule, so I'm gonna make sure I've got them here. Um, I, I, it was, we're in the music. Where'd they go? Where'd he go? Is English his first language? Yeah. <laughs> um, no, I saw something earlier, and uh, you guys can sit down. Everybody but the, the boy up front with the blue shirt, because I noticed him, and then Sandy said something, and I thought if Sandy said something, it's probably confirming something already in my, my heart. Um, you know, get on this drum, son. And uh, you got, you, where's your, ba- Musicians, man. <laughs> we run through musicians like, you know what, through a goose. But, uh, hey, Sandy's here. Can I introduce Sandy to you? And we've got some, uh, we've got some travel buddies here. The Coggins are here. Uh, you guys mind Sandy, Joel, and Christy Coggins? They're, uh, they're like family. Now, now we're going to, uh, this isn't scripted. Okay, so if this is your first time here, they're probably, whoever speaks next week is probably going to be a, little, lot, a, a lot more polished. I'm a little rough around the edges and uh, barely housebroke. But, but this boy here, here, get back up here where you were. And during the music, that's where he was. And can you guys give me a beat? Just drop a, a strong beat, though. All right? I need one of those Enter Sandman kind of Metallica beats, okay? You got anything like that? But uh, I... Uh, Intelligence has got to factor in at some point here. Okay, you're right. you can do it. Give me a beat. Go ahead, son. Now do what you do. You know what you were doing during the music? Go ahead, do what you do. Go ahead. Now, you know, you know, it's interesting because uh, I'm watching this boy and Sandy, we're watching him, aren't we? His name's Jacob Lee uh, Adams, right? And uh, he's 12. He's got four little brothers. And I guess they're a mess because his mom and dad leave him with him and he's just threatening them the whole time, right? <laughs> but uh, but um, I'm watching this boy and I'm thinking, you know, and the way he's doing it, you know what I'm thinking of? I'm thinking of Ray Lewis. I am. I'm watching this boy. I'm thinking of Ray Lewis. I'm thinking, he, we need to raise this kid to pick a fight. I'm not playing. I'm not kidding you. He's got, and then I'm thinking about all the men in this, in, this, in this room, and I'm thinking, we're over here. We're up here watching him 
And he's up here like he's going to go pick a dadgum fight. He's, he's, he's wanting to get after it with some, because he, he, he kind of was toned down a little bit than, than he was earlier. But I'm watching him, and I'm just thinking, you know what? Um, he needs a team. Like, like I, don't, I don't know if Ray Lewis is a good example for church. I think probably part of his life is, but there's a part of it that's not. But, but what hit me was, is that's what this boy was doing. So, um, so get, give, me, give me a strong beat this time, okay? I don't want a church beat. I want one that, like, that boy right there is going to go pick a fight. See, here's what's going to happen. He's going to, like, something's going to hit him. Something's probably going to knock him, cold cock him in his life. And, and what the Bible says, when the righteous gets struck and we get knocked down, what do we do? We get back up. And so, so there's people in here tonight that something's hit you. And, and you know what? I think just riding it out is harmful. I think just enduring and people say, man, how you doing? Oh, we're good. Man, I'm good. While the devil's shredding your marriage. Um, and, you know, he's a liar, and he's a de deceiver, and he's a confuser. And, and see, and that's all he can use. He can't, like, like the symptoms you have, like you can say they're demonic, and, you know, maybe we can reach and find, find that they are. But really what is demonic is the lies that you, and the deception and the confusion. That's, and that's really all he has are those three things. Okay, he's the, he's the father of lies, he's the author of confusion, and he's the deceiver of the brethren. And, and what he's doing, listen, is he stands before God accusing you day and night. Okay, that's why we feel the way we do when, like, when temptation comes, comes upon our life. You know, you understand temptation's not sin, but it feels like it. Why? Because the, the devil is going to use that temptation to ac accuse you. And so that accusation, and you guys know in the world, that accusations, man, the, that those are headlines, accusations. But see, man, man, God thwarts that. And if you're here and you're going through a, and are you ready to be, to be you, do you, have you ever seen Ray Lewis? You got Google or anything? Does he have a phone yet or anything like that? He does? Well, Google Ray Lewis. Well, maybe don't do it. Don't Google Ray Lewis. <laughs> anyway, I just need some, some guys up here that are going through something. Just, you, you've taken a hit. And you know what, man, it's, it's, it's a little bit embarrassing. You might feel a little bit of guilt or shame or whatever. You've stumbled, you've, you get, but you're going to get back up tonight. And you're going to go over here with my friend um, Jacob Lee Ray Lewis Adams over, over here. And they're going to drop a beat, and you guys are going to get ready to pick a fight, okay? So get up out of your seat, if, that, if that's you. And I need fellas, okay? We'll let girls come in. Uh, maybe let girls come in after that. Your day was yesterday, okay? <laughs> But I need some fellas over here, and I th I'm thinking you right there, the hoss. And, uh, and, since I, and since I usually pick on you, you probably ought to go too, right? Like, well, it wouldn't be church. I wouldn't, it, we wouldn't be at the, the Garden Tulsa Kennewick. Okay, so go over there with, me, with my man over here, okay? So here we go. If, you can, if you've taken a hit, if you've taken any kind of hit... Okay, you guys ready? Because we're going to war. Your son's going to war. Whatever's going to be hitting your son, okay, he's going to take a preemptive strike tonight, all right? And that boy knows how to do it. I watched him. He's got to hold him back. You can't be holding back now. You got some fellas with you now, okay? All right, so here we go. You guys ready? Okay, give me a beat, son.
I love about this? You know what I love about this? I love it that he's not ashamed to do this. And there's so many people, there's so many men that are all around the church. They're too bound up to be able to do it. And you know what it does? It just kind of just reeks. It, it just kind of exemplifies shame in their life. And, and then, you know what's amazing? Is you look at how white this guy is right here. He, he shouldn't be up here doing it, but you know what he is? Look. All right, you guys go sit down. I'll tell you what, I'm proud of you, man. I am. He's, I'll tell you what, he stays on track, he's going to do something great for God. All right, you hear me? And, and I'll, I'll tell you, uh, I think at some point you ought to be an intern at Guts Church when, you know, you come of age or, you know, pray about it, talk to your mom and dad about it, and raise your brothers, and then you got to finish raising your brothers, right? before he can go, because you guys can't do it on your own, can you? You, got, you need some help raising those other boys. Uh, they're probably breaking something right now, huh? They're in there like tearing wallpaper off the wall or something, just doing something. You guys can go now. Thank you so much. I love that little guy right there. I'm not kidding you, and I, I want guys in my life that, that aren't, because there's, there's, there's three kinds of men. There's men of God, there's mama's boys, and there's sissies, and um, you got to pick wh which one you're going to be every day, but because men, w we face things, and what we're going to do is we're either going to fight, or we're going to freeze, or we're going we're gonna to run, we're going to flight, so it's, it's fight, flight, or freeze, and um, and, and I just, I, I look at this and I just think about what God wants to do in this church, what God wants to do in your life, what God's, and you know, there's a, there's a phrase that I think people use and it's a, it, I don't know, it just, when I hear it, I get a bad taste in my mouth. I just, it's like, come on, but it's family first, you know, it's like, hey, family first, you know, I'm a, and, and we talk about that, meaning we've got a, what we've got, to, and I, the, the hard thing is, is that when we think family first, what this is here is this is family. Whatever you're going through tonight, I'm going through. Whatever your pastor's going through, I'm going through with him. He doesn't go through things alone anymore. Why? Because we're in covenant now, he and I. And, 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 and we share that. Like tonight, we, the nightmare opens up tonight. and It's a, it's a sneak peek and it's a preview. And I, I guess I'm believing God for 15,000 salvations. When I walked in here tonight, it was 10. And I thought that was reaching. But... Um, what the heck, man? If somebody's going to jump, man, I'm not going to stand there and go, I can't jump with you. Man, and, and see, and, and this, this whole idea of, of church is there's a takeover that comes with it. See, it's not, there, there's no sedentary action in the church. There's nothing, there's nothing about this that causes us to relax and causes us, when we, when, when we wait upon the Lord, when we rest in the Lord, when we enter into His rest, that's not us relaxing. See, we've got to stay alert in this. And I think that a, a lot of it is, is that, man, we've got, we got so many people in, that, that have done this for a long time. How many of you guys have done this for a long time? Well, you should be better than, than this by now. You really should. And, and you look at it, I don't know how many people talk to us like this or, or, or confront the reality of our lives. And, 
And when I think about it, that, that so much of ministry, what Paul said, that there's three aspects of ministry. There's, there's, what, there's correction, there's reproof, and there's edification. Now, I don't know what part of that is a lot of attaboys. I don't see a lot of attaboys coming from Jesus. Man, he didn't go up to Peter and say, man, I appreciate you leaving your livelihood. I appreciate you... I appreciate it that you're hanging with me now and someone else is fishing out of your boats. I appreciate that. I don't hear any of that. I, all I hear is, man, let's go. Man, keep, can you keep up? Man, can, can, can you not tarry? Can you not tarry an hour? Can you not tarry an hour? Oh, never mind. Okay, at, the, at, at, the, point, at the, the point of the most need that Jesus had, those guys fell asleep. And three different times, he dealt with it. Finally, the third time, it's like, Whatever. And see, we've got to get to a place, we've got to understand that in our lives, there's things that we have for a reason, and there's things for a season, and there's things for our life. And we've got to pick what this is. Are you here because there's a reason in your life? Are you here because, because maybe you, 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 man, you, hit a, you hit a speed bump, or you hit a pothole, or you've got to get your front end aligned, or you hit a blowout, or whatever it is? Are you here for a season? Are you here, man, I'm just getting through something, and you know, I'm, I'm, I'm single, and maybe I can find somebody in church. I, you know, my grandmama said I got to find a man in church, and maybe there's a guy here in church. And, and then you look around after a couple months, you're like, well, I think all the good ones are taken. And, you know, there's all the single guys here are dorks, and I can't, I can't get through. What, what are we going to do? And, and see, it's just such a wrong way to look at it because you're not here for a reason. You're not here for a season. You're here for life. There's two things God ordained. He ordained marriage and the church, and they're both built the same like family. And when I hear family first, I'm not just thinking of me and mine. I'm thinking of this. But see, what, what's amazing with this is I didn't get the, I, I, I didn't pick Pastor Tom Fields to be my brother. I didn't pick him. See, because to me, church is like recess. And see, what recess is, is recess isn't, man, we're going we're gonna, to, we're going to light our hair on fire and get out there to get first pick. No, it's like the pick's already been made, and we get what's left. And you know, my attitude, and I thought about this. I pastor a church called Guts, and it's 25 years old this, this December, and we do things that other churches don't do because I don't look at things through, through the church lens, and I never have. I wasn't raised in church. My, my wife was raised Episcopal, and, and, and you know, so I mean, church, the, and a, a customary accessory use of church was wine and cheese parties with the, with the priest, and you know what I mean? It's, so it's, it, it's, not what, it's not what our life is now, okay? And I don't know, you guys that, that weren't here yesterday, Sandy doesn't play, like, this isn't something where it's like, you know, I'm just, man, I got a good, I got a word for you, and then let, let's go drink some sweet tea or something. No, you know what? This has got to be life-changing, or it's not worth you being here. Amen. See, we're not in this, that this isn't an institution. See, we're thinking the church is an institution. See, because institutions come and go, and men can wreck institutions. But you look, the church is a couple thousand years old, and everything that's happened in the church is still strong. You know why? Because it's not an institution. It's not an organization. This is living. This is life-giving. This is life-changing. If your life doesn't change tonight, I've wasted your time. This music's wasted your time. See, and, it's, and, and there's, something, there's something about this life. There's something about church. It's different than in anything else you can get. 
See, really, at the core of what God's called you to do as a church, you, you shouldn't be able to keep people away. And, and, and listen, I'm not a motivational speaker. I'm not here to inspire you, okay? I'm not, because I know that that comes and goes. Man, this is, this, this is there's, there's conformity that you have in your life. There's conformity in my life that I look and I smell and I act like the world does. And Paul was real clear to the Romans. He said, don't be conformed to this world, be transformed. Well, that transformation has to happen because I'm sold out to this family. And this family, you know what? We live by a code. And you know what that code is? It's the promise of God. Man, I'm not going to let you die sick, sir. I'm not, it's not, it's not going to happen, is it, Sandy? See, we're on the airplane coming here, and Sandy said, have you got a good word for this church? And I said, I believe I do. And she said, Bill, it needs to be a fresh word. And it was a challenge. When she said that, it wasn't like, come on, buddy, how about a fresh word? It's like, no, she looked like into me. It said, it needs to be a fresh word. This better be life-changing for you. You better be ready to, to, to leave this service and go pick a fight. See, there's two things that, that, that I'm believing God for for you tonight. I'm believing God that you're going to hear something that's going to change your life forever. And you know what? I may not even say it. I get credit for a lot of incredible stuff. Somebody come up to me, oh my gosh, Pastor, I was here a couple months ago, and man, man, let me just tell you what, what you said. You said this, and it changed my life. And they tell me what I said, and I'm like, dear God, that's awesome. I wish I'd have said it. <laughs> but you know what? I get, I get to partner with that still small voice. I get to partner with the Holy Spirit in this. And you know what? The Holy Spirit's speaking to you tonight. It's not just me speaking. Matter of fact, what I'm, what I'm saying, hopefully I'm led by the Spirit of God, and it's not me who speaks, but Christ who speaks in me. So now, when Christ is speaking to me and the Holy Spirit's speaking to you, let me tell you, that dynamic there can't lose. But see, we've got to understand that we have authority, that we have dominion on this earth. Read, read what, see, what, what, what Jesus did is he restored us back to the place before Adam fell. Did you know that? Okay, so now you're thinking about Adam. So here's Adam, but God breathed life into him, and then he commissioned him. And what did he commission him to do? Okay, he had to prosper. Let's start there. To prosper, what else? Let's, 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 go that, let's go third with, that, with the one that was just shouted. We, we, we have to occupy. We have to multiply. We have to take dominion. He said, take dominion. Over what? Over everything that flies, that runs, that crawls, that slithers, that swims. Everything. Take dominion. See, so, so now in looking at this, now there, there's a fresh word in that. Because that's what God, Jesus has restored us to. He's restored us to a place of dominion. And so I want to ask you, are you living a life of dominion? Do you have control of your life? Are you one of those people, let me just tell you, I'm not a Calvinist. I'm not one of those guys going, well, you know, God's in control. What the heck does that mean? What world are you living in? For real, God's in control? See, because anything that God's ever going to do, here's what I believe, and I can back this up in the Word, and, I'll, and you might disagree with me and understand, that's fine, you're just wrong. But anything that God's ever going to do, he's already done. On the cross, Jesus said, it's finished. What's finished? All the work that he's going to do. So now, we're at recess, and God's made his play. And now you're up. 
And you know what God's going to do now? God's going to back your play. You don't make a play. But if you decide tonight you're going to make a play, that's game changer. But guess what? You've got to realize you're in control of your life. You're in control of your destiny. Your circumstances and your situation. And you know what? Your, your perspective, your, your, pers- your perception is not in control. But the perspective of your life is. And you know what you've got to do? You've got to use God's promise to change your, your, your perspective. Not the, the perception might be crap. It might be terrible. It might be bad. But you know what? The pers- the, now where you're going from here, what, what route are you going to take? What lane are you going to choose? See, life's all about a lane. Isn't it Sandy? What is Sandy telling me all the time? Sandy's telling me all the time, Bill, stay in your dead gum lane. Man, we got hundreds of people that are building the nightmare tonight. And you know what? Man, I'm jonesing right now to be there and change some things up. To reroute some things, aren't I, Sandy? That's what I do, man. I want to reroute stuff. I want to figure, I want to change stuff. I want to be the, I want to be the leader. But guess what? Man, there's guys that are much better than me. And you know what I've got to do? I've got to stay in my lane. You know what my lane is? It's in Washington right now. And you know what? You'll say, man, yeah, it's an honor to be here. But you know, in my heart right now, I'm multitasking. In my heart right now, I'm believing God. No one gets hurt tonight at the nightmare. I'm believing God that lives are changed. I'm believing God that people are committed. I'm believing God that people get saved and confess Jesus. And I'm preaching to y'all. See, so we've got to be in control of our lives. You know, there's been, there's been times in our life where, where and, and, and Sandy's big on this. Sandy's big on taking control. And there's been situations that, that we've had to, had to take control over things that are in our lives. You know why? Because I'm not just looking, well, you know, it's just God's sovereign. He's just going to do what he wants to do. What Bible are you reading? The Bible says God takes counsel in his will. God's, God's word, let me tell you, his promise is yes and amen. There's people who say, well, you know, I asked God to heal my, my grandmama and God said no. What God are you praying to? God's not a no God ever when it comes to his promise. Do you understand that? See, the way God does anything is the way God does everything. And you know what he's done? He's given us control of our lives. That's what being saved is. Us us being saved is not just fire insurance to go to heaven. Us, me, the salvation of Jesus that's operative and alive in my life gives me control of my life. Golly, I wish you were listening. I'm not, play, I'm not kidding. This is game-changing for us. We're not having to hope that God's going to get on our page. God's constantly mindful of us, is what the Bible says. We're the apple of his eye. You know, there's a guy, our neighbor, had, uh, had four boys, and they were like all, you know, probably like yours are. They're all a head smaller than each other, you know? And, uh, and, and these kids, I think they're from Arkansas, weren't they, aren't they, Sandy? Aren't the barns from Arkansas? I think they are. But, uh, and everything you hear about people from Arkansas is true, okay? <laughs> you know, we, we were talking, and Joel said he went to see his cousin's kid. And I said, well, that's your second cousin. He said, yeah. I said, you know, your daughter could marry him if you were from Arkansas. Because I think they're second or third cousins, you know? And uh, I think their, their eyes may point different directions, but... <laughs> 
their, their kids' eyes may point different directions, but do all your kids, all your kids, the eyes all point the right direction? All your boys, you got any cockeyed brothers? But uh, that kid's just looking at me, going, "What the heck is he talking about?" That's what happens when you grow out of kids' shirts, son. You get to hear stuff like this. But uh, but but the, this this he wrecked his Harley. And he hit, a, he hit a dump truck going 90 miles an hour. And so, they, you know, he's dead because that kills you, hitting a dump truck going 90 miles an hour in a Harley. And, um, and you know, it, it, it was 4 o'clock in the morning, so you can do the math, you know. And, uh, and so they pronounce him dead, and then they pronounce him dead at, at, the, at the emergency room, and they pronounce him dead in the ICU. And, and, um, and so we go, we go up there. We get up there at, like, I don't know, it's a little after 4 in the morning. We're up in the hospital, and... And I'm, it's like a bomb went off. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, you know. And, and so his wife came up and said, can you tell our boys? And it's like these four little boys, you know. And we go into the bad news room, the consultation room at the end of the ICU. And, and, and I'm, I'm with the boys, and I'm like, fellas, um, your dad's in heaven. He's with Jesus. And we're all crying. I, God didn't take him, okay? I understand that. But God received him. God, he's with God, and it's, it, it, this is good news. It's a, you know, I'm, I'm going through all my stuff, man. I'm, my, I'm like, man, it isn't a consolation prize. It's a grand prize. Your dad won, okay? And they're crying, and I'm crying, and finally I, I said, look, so we, I'm here for you. We're neighbors. You know, we're, we're brothers. We're family. You know, I got you, and, uh, and we're going to be in our lives. The rest of our lives, I'm committing. We're going to be in your life, and you're going to be in my life, and we're getting through this. And you know, I mean, I'm just, I'm hearing myself say stuff and none of it. And I'm trying to fill that, 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 the feelings part of it, you know, and it just, and it's like, it's leaking out. I'm trying to jam it in. I'm trying to feel it. And finally, I'm just like, that's, that's all I got to say. And I prayed with them and, and I, I walk out into the hallway and, and I'm walking down the hall and I'm thinking, how the heck did this happen? And, uh, you know, he's the guy, the family would come to church and he'd sit back at the, when we had bleachers, he'd sit back in the bleachers and make faces at me and stuff, you know, and, 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 you know, I'd, I'd come out one time and I said, Mike, why aren't you at work? Because we, we had a front yard relationship, he and I, you know, in the driveway. And, and I'd say, Mike, why aren't you working? He turned his eyes swelled shut. He goes, ah, I got a little disagreement. I said, I'm like, how many? He goes, he goes I got three days off. <laughs> and I, I said, are they paying you? He goes, I don't think so. And, uh, and so he was that kind of guy, just a full of life, a great guy. Um, and, um, and so I walked down to the end of the hall, and his wife comes out of the ICU room that he was in. And she said, Pastor, and never, she's never called me that before. They're Baptist people. You guys know Baptist? Do you guys have Baptists up here? We have a lot of them. Don't we have a lot of Baptist people? Say, I mean, a lot of them. People are like, I'm Baptist. I just walk away. But uh, so if you're Baptist in here, it was nice knowing you, but um, <laughs> what was I talking about? Oh, she walked out of the ICU, and she said, Pastor, it's the first time she ever called me Pastor. I mean, we're neighbors, and she said, uh, and our church was probably five years old at that time. Do you remember, Sandy? Six or seven years old, maybe around that, and um, am I asking you too many questions? Am I bugging you right now? You think it was like five years, and we've been to church for like five years. We're in the front part of the building. I remember the, the old building. It's not whatever. This is an important story. <laughs> this is details. You're, she's the one that always wants details. Now I'm trying to get some details out of her, and she's like, just get through it. Um, but, um, but anyway, he, she came out. She said, Pastor, can we pray for him one more time? And I'm like, oh. <laughs> yeah, you bet. Yes. Heck Yeah. 
You kidding me? Yes. And, uh, and right as she said that, Sandy is walking down that hallway behind me, and I'm like, oh, and I turn and look at Sandy, and her fists go up like this, and she said, let's go raise him up. I'm like, no, 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 no. It was estrogen hell. It was like an estrogen sandwich, and I'm the meat. Can we go pray for him one more time? Let's go raise him up. And I'm like, okay, that's a, that's a bold move. I love bold moves. Has anyone seen my faith anywhere? Because I know, I, I, know I, have a, I have a measure of God's faith. I know it's, it's strong as well, too. It's strong as goat's breath, I'm telling you right now. And this is... This is, but I, when I find it, we're going to go in there and let's go raise that sucker up right now, I'm telling you. So we're walking in there, and there's an orderly that's unplugging him. And he's, he's laying there, and he's, he's naked, and he's on this gurney, and they, he's got these, these Sharpie marks on him where they're going to harvest his organs. And that's what they were doing. They were getting ready to harvest his organs. And, and so I'm in there, and, and I, he said, and the orderly said, hey, pastor, and I talked to him a few times during that time, and and I said, can we just have a little bit of time? He said, yeah. And so he walks out, and the guys coming in to harvest his organs are out in the, in the, in the main area of the ICU, and they're wanting to come in, and they're bugged by us. You know, here, what's a preacher doing in there? And I'm thinking, what's a preacher doing in there? And, um, and so we start praying, and I look up, and Sandy's praying in the Spirit, and she gets a little louder, so I get a little louder too. You know, it's like, she can pray, I can pray. We're competitive. And, um, and then I look over at, at Mike, Mike's wife, and she's praying in the Spirit as well. She's praying in tongues. Baptist girl. Called me pastor, now she's praying in tongues. It's like, what the heck? And I'm thinking, well, it's a win. We're all praying together. We're in one accord. And, and I'm looking at these numbers, and I asked that orderly, I said, what do those numbers mean? He said, it means he's dead. I'm like, oh, good. Okay, good. Why would I ask what the numbers mean anyway? I'm an idiot, okay? But I look up there, and so we start praying, and we're praying for a while. We get louder and louder and louder. Next thing you know, these girls are getting after it. It's like Catherine Kuhlman. It's, it's like Azusa Street. It's the whole nine yards, man, and the day of Pentecost. And, and, um, and, and, and I look, and those numbers start changing. And these guys start flying into the room, and that sucker came back to life. And he's alive today. And, and, I'd, I, I, and I'd like to tell you, so, and somebody asked me one time, and they said, you prayed for somebody, and God raised them from the dead? And I said, well, I was there. <laughs> I, I really had mis, misplaced my faith somewhere. I'd already talked, so I had to go back to all those boys, and I, we got back in that room, and I said, well, now, fellas, um, he's back. <laughs> Remember I said it was really good news, he's with Jesus, well... He's, he's in Tulsa now, okay? So, so I think it's going to be good. Then my son, we, um, my, 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 my son is a freshman in college and, you know, big, healthy kid. And uh, so this is probably 10 or 12 years ago. And, and he, um, he, uh, he called us up. Sandy and I were on a ministry trip, I think, to California. And, and, and he called and he said, he said Dad, I got to talk to you. I said, what's up? He said, man, I've lost, I've lost 13 pounds in the last couple of days. And I said, well, how do you feel? He goes, man, I've, and he, he was a kid all his life. It's easy for him to throw up. He could just puke. He could just, you could just say, what are you going to do? He goes, ah, I'm going to go, I'm going to go puke. And he, he'd go throw up and he'd come back to the dinner table. He's like, I feel fine. He just, he could throw up. He's just that kind of kid. And I thought that's what, what was happening. And, and, um, 
when he's little, he said, my throat's itchy. I'm like, your throat's itchy? He's like three. I said, your throat's itchy? What do you mean your throat's itchy? It was like projectile vomit. I'm like, so anytime now, it's like, my throat's itchy. I'm like, hide the women and children. This is, um, get out of the house. <laughs> um, but, um, but so we, we came home, and he had lost, how, many, how much weight did he lose, Sandy? Huh? 30 pounds and, um, in 10 days. And so we, we take him to the hospital, and they call in this infectious disease doctor, and, um, and this guy, he, he, I thought he was arrogant. Did you? But um, I just thought of that. But um, he, it wasn't a love connection, he and I, okay? And um, so my son's at this hospital bed, and he's, the doctor said, I don't know what to do. He's got golf ball-sized lesions on his liver, and um, I, we, can't, we can't stop whatever's happening. And like he's, you know, I, I know where this is going, all right? And... Uh, and he said, he said, well, this is what, it, it, what I perceive it is, and which is the worst news you could, you could get as a dad. And Sandy and I walked out in the hallway, and we were walking down to the elevator, and Sandy just stopped me and said, we will those words will never, and they've never come out of our mouth to this day. He said, those words will never come out of our mouth. I said, okay. And we get on the elevator, and the head nurse for the hospital, it's a big hospital in Tulsa, gets on, and she's like, oh, Pastor Sandy, I'm so sorry. I heard, I'm so sorry about your son. And it's like, Okay, you know, and she gets off the elevator, and Sandy and I get off the elevator at another floor, and, and, and she said, that's it. We're taking authority over this right here and right now. And I had one of those, let's go raise him up moments. And, with, and, and she said, we took authority over it. And, and, um, and I, I was, we went back to the room, and a, a buddy of mine who was a missionary doctor in Africa called me. He said, man, I heard about your son. What's going on? I said, well... They can't figure it out. He goes, well, have you guys been out of the country? I said, no. yeah, matter of fact, a couple of weeks ago, we went to Haiti. He said, did he go with you? And I said, yeah, he was in Haiti and with me. And I said, and he said, um, um, did you drink any of the water? I said, no, I don't think so. I didn't, and I'm sure he didn't either. He knows better. And um, he said, well, tell that doctor to give him this antibiotic. And it was, all, it was almost an over-the-counter antibiotic. It's something basic. And I walked in and I told that doctor, I said, um, hey, I, I, a doctor friend of mine told me to give you this, this, uh, this antibiotic. And he said, hey, you stick with the preaching, let me stick with the doctor. And I'm like, well, the last time we talked, you turned your palms up and went like this and shrugged. So I'm not, I'm saying you don't get to call the next play. I think that we, I think we, 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 and we've taken authority over it. And, and he finally, he cussed me a little bit, and he said, okay, go ahead. Well, then Andrew Womack shows up out of nowhere. And Andrew Womack's out, and he said, Bill, um, I heard about your son. Um, we're out in the corridor. He said, tell me about it. And I told him, he said, Bill, let me just tell you, the Lord spoke to me and told me this is spiritual. And I'm like, oh, wait a minute. That's incredible news. Because if this is spiritual, I know how to win. If this is spiritual, I know. And see, my buddy had already said, give him that, give him that antibiotic. So, so we go in there and we pray for him. We take authority over it, which we'd already done. And Andrew leaves and that doctor leaves and he prescribes that antibiotic. The next morning, my son wakes up well and, and, and leaves the hospital. Yeah. Now listen, uh, in, last year, in the last year, um, I... My, my blood pressure was high. I was on four different medications. Um, they were having a hard time um, regulating it. And, and so it, it, 
got to the point where it was dire, and, and Sandy came over. Um, I was in the hospital, and Sandy came over and said, we're taking authority over this. And I, I, it was hard for me to open my eyes, okay? It was, it was like I, I was there, but it's like I didn't care about being there. And, and she took authority over it. And 15 minutes later, my blood pressure was normal and has been for the last eight or nine months, 10 months. But listen, so I'm telling you, I'm telling you this, that things happen. Stuff happens. But let me just tell you, we can't relinquish control to the symptoms and the things that are happening. See, I'm talking about things, I'm just telling you things that, that are, you think, well, that's out of my control. It's not out of your control. If it's in your life, it's in your control. See, here's what the Bible says. In Matthew 28, 16, then the 11 disciples went away into Galilee to the mountain which Jesus had appointed for them. When they saw him, they worshiped him, but listen, but some doubted. All right, some of you guys might be in that place right now, but some doubted. And Jesus came and spoke to them saying, all authority has been given to me in heaven and earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples. And you'll say, yeah, but God gave it to Jesus. Really? Let's bring the four-year-olds in here and ask them where Jesus lives. Your little brothers, you ask them where Jesus lives, what are they going to say? No, what, they're going to say something else, son. Come on. In your heart. <coughs> they're going to say, he lives in my heart. So here it is. Now listen, all authority has been given me in heaven and earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all the things that I've commanded you, and lo, I'll be with you always, even to the end of this age. Now we go to Acts, the second chapter. Acts 2, 46 and 7. So continuing daily with one accord in the temple like we're doing right now. Okay, continuing daily with one accord in the temple or in the church breaking bread from house to house, they ate their food, listen, with gladness and simplicity of heart. See, what God's doing here is he's boiling this down to us, that we receive this word, we receive this with what? With gladness and simplicity of heart. Okay, we keep going in the, in, uh, to the B side of that verse. Praising God and having favor with all the people. What if you're not walking in the favor God's promised you simply because you've skipped the steps of gladness and simplicity of heart? Because things have gotten too complex. Things have gotten too convoluted. Praising God and having favor with all the people, and the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. Gladness and simplicity of heart. It's, it's all simple. This is such a simple life that God's given us. In Acts the 10th chapter in the 19th verse, therefore, brethren, having both, listen, in one accord and brethren is how these promises start here. See, it matters that we're together. It matters that you participate. It matters that you're involved. It matters that you're connected. It matters that you're hooked up. Therefore, brethren, having boldness to enter the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way, it's new and living, which he consecrated for us through the veil, that is his flesh, and having a high priest over the house of God, 
Let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. It's simple. Okay, now listen. For he who promised is faithful. Now listen, listen, to, the, listen to the next phrase. And let us consider one another in order, listen, to stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as is a matter of some, but exhorting one another, and so much more as you see the day approaching. Now listen, let's, let's just sit here for just one minute. Okay, let's meditate on this for one minute. Let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works. If there's one thing I can do, I can stir stuff up. I can get stuff stirred up. And, and you know what? That's an attribute that God uses in times like this. So what are we stirring up? Listen, we're stirring up love and good works. Love and good works. And it's that simple. Love and good works. As we see, see the day approaching, I can stir things up. And it's one thing I know I can do. But listen, the primary aspects of this assembly and us being here tonight are to encourage, listen, two things, love and good works. And, and see, that's what, that, the, see, what church is for us once you're here, see, if you're here and you don't know Jesus, you're here and you're not a believer, okay? You're the agenda. You're why everything else is happening. If you're here and you're a Christian and you're a believer and you're, you've committed your life and you're here on Saturday nights and you're not at the bar tonight and you're not out smoking crack tonight and you're not planning on cheating on your husband tonight and, all that, and you're not going to get in a bar fight tonight, all that stuff, okay? So now, listen, you're here in order for what? To, to be stirred up. And what do you want stirred up? Love and good works, right? See, because there's, there's a day approaching where people are going to, take a hit. There's a day approaching where someone you know is going to hit a dump truck going 90 miles an hour at four o'clock in the morning in a Harley. And you know what? He's got four little boys. Man, one of his boys plays, is going to play the bass at our church tomorrow morning at nine o'clock. See, you got to look at, you got to understand what, what's got to happen. You've got to get stirred up tonight. You can't leave here the way you came. But listen, the love part, we're, we're, I think we're pretty good at that. This is a loving, accepting place. I, I don't see anybody here that's felt rejection or stiff-armed, okay? Man, you, yeah, you might be something. You might have to work on your breath, or you might have to work on your people skills. And you know what? Like our volunteers, to be on our team, you've got to be presentable. You've got to be current. You've got to be trained, and you've got to be hand-picked. We don't just want everybody on the team. We can't get sloppy like that. We've got to raise the level to excellence. Why? Because I don't want to just reach people that are desperate. I want to reach people that don't think they need it. I want, them, I want to reach them all. I don't want a piece of the pie. I want the whole dadgum pie. But see, we've got to be about, we've got to be, be stirred up good works. Man, there's things in your life right now that you've got to attack and you've got to overcome. And there's people in your life that you've got to right now, you've got to somehow blow the keep out sign off the door and get them in here. See, this has got to matter. The good works, what does the Bible say in, in Acts the second chapter, 46 and 47? And they were added unto the church daily. That's the good works. Those who were being saved, those who were being delivered, those who were being set free, those who were being healed. See, the way this is here, 
This is a house of healing. You don't need a line of people up front. People, people, people shout or blood. No, you know what? People walk in the door and healing comes in, into their lives. It's a life of miracles. You, you don't need a miracle. You are a miracle now. You're a miracle producing man of God now. If you've been serving God as long as you have, how long has that been, sir? Yeah, if you need a miracle, you're missing something. Somebody's screwed up. You feel me? I mean, we're, we... Okay, the miracle, mir Moses gets to the Red Sea. Really, that was a miracle that God parted those waters? No, what did he say? What's in your hand? All oh, this staff. What did that staff have on it? Everything that God had ever done for him in his life. What did God tell him to do? Stretch out that staff. See, the reason you're here and you've been, you've been doing this for so long and you need a miracle is because you're not stretching. Stretching might be finding somebody and having a church in the morning. See, to me, Saturday night people, this shouldn't be your church service. It should be your warm-up for tomorrow. So you think about it. There's already people right now that God's putting on your heart. Why? Why are there people on your heart right now? People that could have heard this. People that should have heard this. I mean, my goodness, how many church serves have I sat in and I'm thinking, you know what, I wish, I wish John or Joe or Bob or Tim or Hank, I wish they'd have heard this. Why? Because it's stirring up love. And you know what? Love wins. Love never fails. Love casts out fear. The, the proponent of love that we stir up in here, that it casts out fear. It never fails. It always wins. It causes us to triumph. It's who God is. He's love. But then our step is now good works. Man, we can't just clock out. We can't be done. See, you always have to think about it that yesterday is the easy day. Man, the sun's shining today. Let's get to work. See, it's good works. It's, it's not us just getting through this. See, we've got to make it happen. God's ready to back your play. Are there people that are on your heart? God will tip them right now. All you got to do is ask him. All you got to do is seek him. And then all you've got to do is knock on that dadgum door. That's all we've got to do is ask, seek, and knock. Ask, seek, and knock. Ask, seek, and knock. Ask, seek, and knock. That's it. Ask, seek, and knock. But you know what? Somehow it's weird to ask. Somehow our flesh won't let us ask. Somehow we're thinking, you know what? Man, I've been doing this so long, I don't need to still be seeking God. Really? The Bible says, seek and keep seeking. Knock and keep knocking. You know what I can do? I can lead people to Jesus. Anybody that you bring in here tomorrow, I can get them to say this. I make Jesus the Lord of my life. I'm going to serve you, God. 
I could get them to say that. And you know what? I understand that every religious synapse in your brain is going to fire, and you're going to, you're going to want to say, yeah, but is that a true salvation? Really? What did Peter say? Anybody who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. So what do we got to get them to do? Call upon the name of the Lord. Call, that's it. I got to get them to say, Jesus. That's all I've got to do. All I've got to do is get them to activate their vocal cords and say, Jesus, and it's a life changer. It's not us. It's nothing I can, I can do. But let me tell you, the people God's put on your heart, I get them to say, Jesus, game changer. Let me tell you, in April of 1979, a couple months before I got saved, Jesus made himself real to me. So then you know what it was? It was a fight. He just, all he was doing was just routing me and getting me to a place where I called upon the name of Jesus. In April, he made himself real to me. In June, I, I gave my life to the Lord and I made Jesus Lord of my life. Six weeks later, I'm at Bible school. You might say, well, did God tell you to go to Bible school? No. I didn't want to go to Bible school. You know why I went to Bible school? Because they told me I couldn't. I hadn't been a Christian long enough. You know why I've got a church in Tulsa called Guts? I want to tell you God told me to do it. Because that's what preachers are supposed to say. But you know what? There are people that lined up and said, you can't do it better men than you've tried. Thinking, oh, you know what? They're right. But then somehow that recess thing kicked in with me. And I just thought, let's get it on. Let's get it on every day. I'm not taking a day off. We've had a quarter of a million salvations now in our church. We're good at this. You get your friends here, you get people here tomorrow. Guess what? I'll get them to say, I make Jesus Lord of my life. They'll give them a cupcake. That's a good dadgum day right there, huh? And it's that, e and you'll say, well, but it's not that easy. Everybody say that to me, okay? Say it again. With gladness and simplicity of heart. The, the, the reason things don't work for you in your life is you're making it too difficult. You're overthinking it. It's simple. Get them here. I'll get them to say it. There's going to be people in here say it tonight. They didn't come here planning on it. There might be even people in here that'll say, I'm not doing it. I'm not giving them a choice. Why would I give them a choice? What I say, hey, Mike, I know you're gone. I know you're dead. But these girls want to raise you up. Well, we didn't give them a choice. We just raised them up. I got to be a part of it. I watched a guy come back to life. That's a big deal. If we were Catholic, that'd be St. Sandy over there. You got to have those kind of noted miracles in your life. She was in the room. I exaggerate. I'll make the story fit whatever the situation is. She's not going to. She's black and white. But let me tell you, there's a call. I watched you take notes. You know why you take notes? Because there's a call of God in your life. You know why you take notes? You know why you're here? Because God's going to use you. But see, what's got to happen, though, is you've got to decrease so that he can increase. You want more of God? You want all of God you can get? The only way you get it is by losing part of you. you got to lose. There's some stuff you better give up, son. 
There's some stuff you got to decrease so that he can increase. Otherwise, you're going to be carrying that stuff through life the rest of your life. How long are you going to live? How old are you now? How old are you? How long are you going to live? Are you going to live another 30, 40, 50 years? Are you going to carry the stuff that for the next 50 years you got right now? I say you give it. I say you release it so that God, I, I say this, so you do it so this boy here watches you. He's going to watch you, and you're going to decrease, and then he's going to see God increase, and he's like, you know what? I want some of that. He's going to get jealous of you for that. Because you know what? You know what? You're the kind of guy that I am. People look at me and they think, dear God, if he can do it, I can do it. You know what I mean? There's probably a hundred churches in America today that God, God didn't tell anybody to do it. People thought, man, if he can do it, I can do it. And you know what? God will prevail and we won't screw it all up. But it's gladness and simplicity of heart. Quit making it so difficult. You got to ask, seek, and knock. Ask, seek, and knock. And you know what? You just get, get you believe God for people in this church that are going to be up on the stage that are good at getting people to say, I make Jesus the Lord of my life. Is there anybody in this room right now that needs to do that? You just need to say, man, I need to get my life right with God. I just want you to stand at your seat wherever you are right now. Just stand if that's you. Just say, man, I need to get my life right with God. I didn't come here planning on doing it. I don't want anybody to know that my life's not right with God. It's got to be somebody. We didn't, listen to me. We didn't come here for nobody, for, for y'all just sit here and go, well, my goodness, I guess he missed it. I guess he doesn't know everything that he knows. And if you just think it's these couple guys, but you know what? You got to choose today. Some of you guys, some of you guys may be not very good people. You got to choose. You're going to be a man of God. You're going to be a mama's boy. You want to be a mama's boy? No. No. If I call you a mama's boy, we're going to tangle, huh? And Joel will have to come over and pull you off of me. But you don't want to be a mama's boy anymore. Some of you guys, some of you guys need to stand just because you've been a mama's boy or a sissy. Man, that's how, that's what men of God do. Is they stand. They get knocked down. What do they do? They get back up and they stand. And how many times I've been knocked down? Hundreds. All I know to do is get back up. That's all you're doing, son. You're just getting back up today. You're just getting back up today. That's all you guys are doing. Is there anybody else? Your life's not right with God tonight. You got to get your life right with God. It's not about anybody but you. I'm sure there's ministry people that can help you in here tonight. But all I know is you're going to make, you're going to say Jesus. That's going to come out of your mouth. And, and let me tell you, Jesus is a game changer. And I believe he's going to make himself real and alive to you in a fresh new way. And then you know what? Man, you guys got to start thinking and quit being so selfish and self-centered and self-concerned and self-absorbed. And make the call. Ask, seek, and knock. Get them in here. Is there anyone else? proud of you. Is there anyone else?
just simplicity of heart. I believe there's one more. Things start twitching in me when that happens too, so don't be laughing at me. I believe there's one more. Just stand if that's you. guys that are standing just to pray with me and just trust me just for 30 seconds and repeat what I'm saying and I know you probably this probably in your first rodeo maybe it's the first time you've ever given your life to God ever got first time you ever really got your life right with him but this time I'm telling you it's going to stick because you know what I'm going to ask every one of you guys standing to be back here in the morning you might have to work or you might not be able to be here. You just don't want to come, whatever it is. But I'm going to ask you to be here because I want you to be about the mission God has for you in your life. And you know what? Man, you might have to give some things up. You might have to give a Saturday evening and a Sunday morning up. And some of you guys might might decide, man, the first, first weekend of every month, I'm going to go to both, I'm going to go to both days. I'm going to hear something. God's going to speak to me and I'm going to invite somebody and they're going to come to church and they're going to change their life. They're going to make Jesus the Lord life. They're not going to go to hell. See, I think the garden just stands for, let's get in people's way. Let's make it hard for people to go to hell. Just gladness and simplicity of heart. Man, you got to live your life right because that boy right over there is going to do something great for God. He may need some people running interference for him once in a while. That's most of my life. I'm not the ball carrier much anymore. I'm just running interference. Is there anyone else who need to get your life right with God? Just stand right now wherever you are. Please. You guys are standing. Let's pray together. Father God. I give you my life. I make Jesus Christ the Lord of my life. I'm trusting you, God, with everything. I give you my life, even the parts that are hard to give, because Jesus Christ is Lord of my life and whom I trust. I'm not trusting how I feel. I'm not trusting what I see. I'm trusting you, God, with everything in my life God I ask you to make yourself real and alive to me in a fresh new way because Jesus Christ is Lord of my life God everybody in the room say this God I want all you that I can get I mean it God I will decrease wherever I need to for you to increase in my life I'm taking control I have the authority to tread upon serpents and scorpions over all the power of the evil one 
and nothing will by any means harm me because Jesus Christ lives big in me. Amen. Applause. Come on, give the Lord a shout.